Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode of Why Not Both, we got to chat with KCRW's Ann Litt in a stunning and wonderful role reversal. I hope you enjoy our interview. Welcome to Why Not Both, where we end up doing everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome to KCRW, where we end up doing everything. Oh my God. Yeah, because definitely I can imagine, especially moving the studio into your house, I'm like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I... I made the studio a while ago, like years ago, a few years ago, um, I sort of built it out. And then when COVID happened and everybody was moving home and I was doing eclectic, it, I said, well, you know, I can actually broadcast from home and all you have to do is have sick internet. I have, uh, I, I have the, the house is hardwired. I'm on wireless right now, but oh, I do have it hardwired in my studio. Um, and um, that's all you need is a sick internet connection and a couple of boxes and a mixer there we um, go there we go you could probably broadcast from where you are right now oh my god yeah I just got the I just got the hardwire connection because I'm going to start doing twitch streams for my music and to do that like you have to have better internet than wi-fi yeah <laughs> so I got the hard connection and and now I'm like looking like I said into like cable internet so it could be faster and I'm assuming that's what you have because I was like oh my god I love that you were able to broadcast from your house that's magic yeah no totally <laughs> And, um, and, uh, and I'm just going to straight up say, forgive me. I haven't checked out your music yet. <laughs> um, I was going to do that before we did this and I didn't realize it was today. Oh my God. You, you are completely forgiven. I spent the day, um, getting the second vaccine. So like my day was unique. It was weird. Oh my God. How did you get the second vaccine? Um, I'm a licensed therapist, so I'm a tier 1A healthcare worker and I haven't been able to see my clients in person this whole time, which has oh been kind of surreal. You're also a therapist. Oh my God. I can, I, I, you might end up charging me for this podcast. That's, it's so funny. That, that's why I started the podcast is I was like, there's gotta be other people who do like 12 things at the same time. I should talk to them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? That's all I do is 12 things at the same time. I mean, I think that's, that's so, that's so interesting that you do that. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah, I was fascinated by how you were balancing, especially because I was looking up, I was like, oh, she does like really interesting like music supervision work. And like, you have your hand in so many different things that I was like, how do you balance all of that? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, you know, first of all, Pam, the disclaimer on all of this is I like to interview people. I'm not good at being interviewed. <laughs> so, um, I, I, uh, so I always get sort of, it's so funny. I could talk to anybody, but except for myself. 
about myself. Um, well, that's so funny. There's there's a meme about like when you're a therapist and like you are giving advice, but then you realize you're advising yourself and you're like, oh no. Yeah. It's like totally. a very similar phenomenon. <laughs> Completely. I'm totally in your in your phenomenon with that. Um, um, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I was like, we could even go with like, what did today look like? <laughs> like well, today looked like me forgetting this podcast interview. Um, hilarious. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like doing, doing. Um, you are like the first female voice on KCRW for Morning Becomes Eclectic. And like growing up hearing Morning Becomes Eclectic and also looking at all the cool things you do in music supervision. I was like, thank God. Hmm. I'm not male tastemaker. Bless you. <laughs> what a concept, right? <laughs> and it's, see, here's the thing that bumps me out about that. I will say this last thing. It bumps me out that we have to recognize that I'm the first female program director of music at KCRW. Yes. I, I mean, it bums me out. That was um, the LA Times did a really nice piece a year ago. And the best thing about that piece was that I was able to mail it to all of my relatives and now they, they know they think I am somebody. Um, but but the headline is something about, you know, KCRW names, first female program director ever. And I just hate to have, I just hate that that has to be a thing. You know, there's a, um, there's a, there's a conference I go to every year in Philly, though I didn't get to go to it last year because they didn't have it. And it's called Noncom and it's for non-commercial radio stations. The majority mm -hmm. of which are music. I think I'm the only mixed format station, but it's non-commercial public radio stations from around the country and mm -hmm. it's programmers and we all gather and we talk. And, and a few years back, they started um, this panel yeah, I mean, I hate to call it the women's panel, mm -hmm. but it was sort of about uh, women and men came and joined in, but we'd have a panel talking about some of the challenges we have. And I was listening to these female promoters, right? So the hired by record labels, independent promoters to work yep. records. And they would call generic radio station and say, hey, you know, can you please play this? Um, I want you to play this Adia Victoria record. Mm -hmm. um, and they'd say, well, you know, we already have three women in rotation. And, you know, the, to turn it around, it's like, you know, no, we can't play that album from insert generic white male guitar player. Um, right. We already have three other white male guitar players. Exactly. But there's a quote, they had a quotas on the female artists that they would play. Mm -hmm. And and for these women, I hate the term mansplained, but to have these guys telling them that programming isn't effective when you play female artists is just, just, it's the reality, right? Um, yep. and, but so you know what I did? And I, in that meeting, I was listening and I said, well, you know, I'm one of the only female DJs at KCRW and I support women. And so I started doing just a quick male, female, that was it. That was the only criteria. Mm -hmm. um, I started doing a quick audit of some of my playlists and I realized I wasn't playing 50% female artists. Sometimes I was, yeah. but I wasn't always. And so that's been a big mission of mine, you know, whether it's diverse, it could be diverse genres, diverse cultures, you know, diverse, you know, genders, LGBTQ, you know, yeah. I, I kind yeah. of want to represent anything that's good, but also want to, you know, introduce people to music from other places and other cultures and um, yeah. 
other ethnicities and whatever. And so um, it, it's been a very informative, um, it's been very informative. And so I've been really doing serious audits of um, my playlist because I want to be inclusive. Thank you. I'm doing tiny fists of happiness. Like you can't see. Oh, good. Well, and I don't want to be, and I'm also, Pam, I'm not saying inclusive, just be like, I'm inclusive. It's not just for the sake of inclusivity. It's for the sake of actually representing what's out there in the world. It's, yes. it's there's so much more than one thing. And, you know, I, I'm picking on white male guitar players because they're easy to pick on. Um, and I love so many of them, but, uh, you know, some other folks need a chance too. And, you know, we need to hear yes. those voices. I was going to say it's because often it's the white male guitar players who have the easiest time letting their voices be heard. Exactly. And so, you know, if for a while we have to go out of our way to necessarily search out other voices and also like change the system so that it's easier for other voices to be heard. It's like, do that, do more of that. <laughs> like, completely, completely. You like that. I think about that every time, you know, obviously we're not booking live artists. We, we do some, a few smaller kind of live things now, but, um, you know, I look at who we're booking and who we're, you know, and hey, you know what, we haven't had um, an African artist on. Mm -hmm. Oh, here's an Icelandic composer. You know, we haven't had any composers on. You know, it could be, you know, it could be, it could be anything. I just want to rep for great artists and they're great artists across all different types of, you know, it, I mean, what I'm trying to say, it's not just racial diversity or male and female. There's a gajillion other kinds of diversity too. Exactly. Um, and hearing from artists who don't come from the same base of experience as you, at least I find is magical because then you get to expand your own horizon. How about, yeah. And how about this? Some of the most interesting, I did an interview with, I've done interviews with artists who are young enough to be my children, right? They're <laughs> like practically teenagers. But then I've also interviewed artists that are 80, you know? Um, I, one of my favorite fun interviews I did was, you know, I did an interview with Tom Jones. Um, <laughs> and he is a raconteur and an entertainer. And I learned so much from him. And, you know, then I interviewed, um, I had the opportunity to interview T-Bone Burnett. Elvis oh, wow. Who are... Um, you know, legendary. Yeah. And um, I've also had the opportunity to um, interview, oh God, who have I interviewed? Um, I name-checked Adia Victoria earlier, like a Brittany Howard, mm -hmm. who, or a um, Yola, who's an amazing, um, you know, just artists from, I think, different ages too is really interesting. Yes. Is what I'm trying to say. It's I've never done so many things at the same time. And, and this year in particular, where it, I mean, when COVID, basically I took the job as program director at KCRW, I was, got the job a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. And when I got the job, um, great. I was gonna be the program director for music and maybe you know be on the air on the weekends. And, and then, co then, impeachment happened. They put me on the air at KCRW just to hold down Morning Becomes Eclectic because I have breaking news experience. Oh my God. And then COVID happened and we were supposed to hire somebody, but we couldn't. And so anyway, I ended up unwittingly being the program director and the first female host of Morning Becomes Eclectic. <laughs> so oh I, wasn't, 
that wasn't really the plan, but I, I, it was, I mean, it's been an insane great year. Plus I have a 14 year old who's homeschooling. Um, oh you my know, God. so, you know, but everybody's got stuff like that going on. I feel like every person I've talked to has 25 things going on. That um, is wild. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's been interesting. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I, I'm sure there's, so yeah, you're essentially like a nonstop house manager slash homeschool teacher slash running morning becomes eclectic slash all of a sudden becoming a reporter on impeachment. <laughs> like, oh well, my God. <laughs> I, I would, uh, reporters a tall, a tall ask. It was one of those things where, because I've been around for a while, I kind of, I know the routine, but um, oh my God. I do not qualify as a reporter. I just want, if anybody from KCRW hears this, I'm <laughs> not planning to be a reporter for one second, but no, it's just, it's, it's been, I mean, you know, it, by the way, it's, I also have survivor skill. I have a job. I have sort of four jobs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm quite lucky. And, uh, so I'm grateful for that. And, you know, we're healthy. Um, though I've, you know, we've all lost people too. So anyway, this year's just been, I mean, I'm sort of one of those people who does too many things anyway. Um, mm -hmm. so just pile onto that, a global pandemic and, um, you know, building a studio in my house to broadcast from and, yeah but having to do it all by myself, you know, um, that just makes it that much more interesting. This makes it zesty. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, zesty's, zesty's uh, an understatement. It's, it's, um, it's made it, you know what, maybe someday I wonder, we'll look back on this past year and think, we may even look on it positively because I'll say this, one of the things I've learned this year, um, and I don't think I would have learned it otherwise. First of all, at KCRW, we learned how to broadcast remotely. Yeah. Everybody's broadcasting remotely. Our hosts for Morning Edition and All Things Considered, Press Play, Madeline Branching Press Play from our house and all of her mm -hmm. producers are at their houses. And we have a teeny tiny skeleton crew at KCRW. Wow. Um, yeah, so if I had said to them, two years ago, hey guys, I really want to broadcast from my house. They would have laughed at me. And right. now we can kind of do whatever we want, wherever, you know, that's been sort of, and I also think it's been an interesting look inward to our community mm -hmm. because we're all sort of alone, but we can't travel. So we're all home. So it's, I feel like, and it could be Los Angeles, it's Los Angeles, but it could be, you could live anywhere. It could be Portland or Washington, DC or wherever. But I, I feel like we've become hyper-local focused in yeah. a positive way. I so, agree. I, that's a really interesting way to put it because I was, I was joking with someone that it feels almost like I feel very neo-Victorian. Like uh -huh. my ladies are like, I will take a stroll. Yes. around my neighborhood to <laughs> the local coffee window like yes. you know it's like <laughs> that's that's actually a great way to it, it is a great way to put it because even just now um before I called you my husband was like would you like like to take a walk to the end of the street and back yes and I said I can't right now but I will later and that's something you know I wouldn't be doing if I was commuting and hour and a half each way or whatever it is. And yeah, yeah. But, like, but, but I think, and 
I guess what I think I'm I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but we're we are alone, right? So we can't gather and go see a band or you know go to the movies or whatever. But because we're all sharing this experience, I feel this great sense of community here. And Los Angeles County has been hit really hard by COVID, so we we all have to we're all following the same rules, at least most of us should be. Um, yeah. And and so things have become hyper-local and almost more community focused. It's sort of, I ran into my neighbor the other day and we couldn't believe our luck at seeing each other from a distance. And yes. you know, normally I'd be too busy to stop and talk and I'm trying to make myself slow down. It's like your neo-Victorian stroll around your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, it's this really... And I love what you said that it's like, I mean, it seems like the cliche, like we're alone together, but at the same time, it's like, since we are going through a collective experience, despite the fact that it's isolating, it's very interesting talking to people at this time because it's, it's a collective turning inward, which then when we do encounter each other, I've had similar things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, totally, it's interesting because a few summers ago, I sort of took the summer off. It's sort of like I, I spent, did one of those work like hell and make extra money so you can take a few months off, which I'd mm -hmm. never done in my adult life. And I'm from Virginia originally, and um, I grew up sailing. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things I love to do when, when I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so my son and I went back to Virginia um, and sort of kind of spent the summer there. But it's a small town on the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia. Everybody talks really slowly. They drive really slowly. And I decided that summer, I was going to just not be in a rush. Huh. If the checkout person at the grocery store wanted to chat, I was going to chat. If the, you know, the guy I was, you know, buying seafood from wanted to tell me about, you know, his oyster beds, you know what? I'm all in. I'm going to listen. You, <laughs> um, you know, and... It was kind of incredible. I mean, I really made that, I, and it's hard because you know how we are living here um, in Los Angeles. It's like, go, go, go. How yeah. quickly can you get there? I'm running late, you know? Yeah, yeah, And I just decided, and so the weird thing about COVID is every, I still am in a rush all the time, even though I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm trying to is stop every now and then and just kind of focus and not be running around like a crazy person, um, you know, even just around my, where I live. Like gonna, yeah. So I don't know. It was just, it was this amazing experience of slowing down and, but, but it had to be conscious, you know, all those people do it unconsciously. That's just their daily life, you know? That, and yeah, as someone who does so many things, like I relate to that so much. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you're, you're a shrink, you're an interviewer, you're a musician, you're an editor, um, and we've only been talking for a few minutes, and I'm sure I don't even know the half of it. <laughs> I was joking. I was like, my talents include making music, thinking that things are mortal threats that are in fact not, like lawns and trees. <laughs> Why is my face allergic to everything? I don't know. It's a it's a talent. <laughs> Like the wind picks up yes. in LA and I'm immediately sneezing and I'm like, oh, yes, my sure. superpower, my superpower of thinking that pollen is a toxin. Um, yeah, it's very, right, 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 right. <laughs> it's very strange because it has caused this like time dilation of sorts where 
things are really not in a rush, like, because they can't be in a rush. And you also spoke to the fact that it's like, we have all experienced loss in some way, like whether it's someone that is close to you or whether it is loss of how one led their life before, Um, things like that. Like, I don't know anybody who hasn't been touched by loss during this experience. And yeah. You know, well, I was gonna say, and also loss of, I mean, gosh, obviously loss of people and, um, you know, and I actually have my first cousin in Virginia is actually on a ventilator right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. We're, 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 you know, praying and, you know, staying in touch and, you know, I feel so far away, but, but, you know, and people like the guy who works in my car passed from COVID and, you know, it's a long time KCRW volunteer. We found out just passed from COVID, Um, you know, so it's, it's, there's that loss, but then there's the loss of, you know, getting a hug or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you and I love music, so not getting to go see somebody play music, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, there's, it's on so many levels. Obviously the human loss is by far the, um, the most severe and the worst, but, but yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a hell of a stretch. And it's been a strange, like, in a way, like, loss of identity or redefinition of identity. Because, mm-hmm. when I, like, when I started this podcast, I was talking to people about, like, how do the multiple things you do inform your identity? And, like, what are better ways to frame, like, what we, quote, do? Like, how do we define what we're passionate about? And all of that has shifted this year because it's, like, how do you define yourself outside of the normal markers by which we usually define ourselves? Oh, yes. So you, because you started this podcast in normal times, right? Yeah, I kind of started it on a lark, like in 2019. And Mm -hmm. then um, my friend who produces it, she was one of the first music journalists who ever wrote about me. We became quite good friends. Absolutely adore her. Shout out to Laura. She was like, hey, do you want me to like hop in on production? Like we could totally reach out to different guests. And I was like, oh, wow, that sounds exciting. And like, <laughs> little did I know, 60 episodes later, like it seriously, it spiraled because it's like, what else are we going to do? Um, and so, and I love doing it, but it was so fascinating that it really went from how do we define ourselves by all these outside markers? How does that affect us internally to like, now we're all guided pretty much only by like internal or very limited external markers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, ab- gosh, that's beautifully, beautifully said. Um, and, and some of those, I don't know. I do think that coming out of this, some of our values may change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you know, it could be anything with like, it could be anything from, you know, Ooh, buying a new pair of shoes to, um, taking that extra time to talk to the neighbor that you would normally talk to. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where we all go in the next stretch. And also obviously enduring this last year, because by the way, you talk to people about doing multiple things. The other thing we've all been doing is, you know, there was an election and an insurrection yeah. <laughs> and that takes up. I mean, it was interesting because I had a meeting early on in COVID and our head of marketing said something really interesting. He said, assume that every single person you work with 
is really only got is only about 70% there because 30% yeah. at least of your everyday is wondering about homeschooling your children, wondering about the pandemic, worrying about, you know, global warming and the government and mm -hmm. the president and all that stuff. And so I, it's been, you know, we've all had that other. So when you interview people about all the things they're doing, I think in this past year, that's also been something we're all doing. Oh, completely. That's been, especially like even, I mean, like full disclosure, even scheduling this interview with you, like talking to your publicist, I was like, I want to make sure that she's not overloaded because she's covering all the, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say you're super patient. I was mortified when I was looking um, up, you know, the information to talk to you today. And I look back and the first time your producer reached out to me was, wait for it, September. <laughs> And it is now February. We were um, so young then. <laughs> we were so young and unassuming and, you know, but, but, but I'll say this, first of all, that's so embarrassing. Um, and I'm not, I'm not all that, believe me, I'm definitely not all that, but, uh, but it is sort of, it, it, it just sort of points up what we all have bandwidth for and what we don't. And I remember saying to Laura, back when you first reached out to me, I was, I was like, I'm supposed to talk to somebody about all the things I'm doing. Are you, are they out of their mind? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But I, but I love it. I, 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 you know, cause why not? I mean, I don't know you, I don't know if you, um, you know, the old fashioned um, kind of sayings about, you know, we can have it all or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you can be a, you know, this all sounds very 70s, but you can be a businesswoman and you can be a parent and you can be a, you know, a champion at whatever. And, and you know, I remember reading an article um, a number of years ago written, it was in the Atlantic, um, written by this woman, uh, Anne Marie Slaughter, who was actually Hillary Clinton's number two at the State Department at the time she was Secretary of State, I believe. Oh, wow. And basically, it was sort of like, you know, memo to women, memo to people, you can't have it all. Uh, it's, and and it, it sort of, it was all about, it was, it was a lot of it was about parenthood. Yeah. Uh, you want to, you know, be there for your kids. And that's been one of the hardest things for me about working. I feel like I only have one shot at this. Um, and I really want to be present. But it was this article where, you know, you're reading these other things, like that one that was popular for a while called Lean In. Remember oh, my that? God. Oh, yeah. That was basically like, you can do everything. You can do everything. Never sleep. And, and this, this was amazing because this was sort of a response. I don't know which came first, but it was sort of the antidote to this going, you know what? Just pump the brakes. You cannot do everything. And yeah. it's okay to prioritize different things. And and it's okay to not, you know, whether it's not show up for that meeting or not show up for, um, you know, your kid's baseball game or whatever. Um, but, you know, I mean, I sort of feel like I will say this. I know this is totally not a parenting podcast, but one thing I have realized, you have kids. What's really funny, everyone always asks me that. They're just like, do you have kids? And I was like, no, I'm, I have like really big like aunt energy. Like whatever okay. that is, like, are you a weird auntie? That's me. Like, I love okay. everyone's kids. I love my nieces. Carry on. But weird auntie is this exact, it's the exact same thing. I mean, I'm a very weird mother. 
Um, <laughs> the only thing separating weird auntie and weird mother is, you know, who had the baby. But, um, <laughs> but, but I will say this, and maybe you've noticed this with nieces and nephews, but I didn't realize until, I guess, until my son was sort of, you know, three years old and figuring out like, oh, there's Santa and, you know, Christmas and whatever. And I suddenly realized that my recollection of being a kid on Christmas and all that, I, I thought of that, of that as my whole childhood, but it wasn't. It, there's really a sweet spot of only a few years in there, right? Yeah, there's like a little blip. There's a, it's a blip. And I, I suddenly realized when the sand, the, you know, the fun Chris, I like, I love Christmas. And I suddenly was like, oh my God, you only get it for a few years and then it's done. Yeah. And then your kid sleeps until 11. They don't even want to. <laughs> and, um, so I will say along the lines of that article I was talking about in the Atlantic is that, yeah. is that, you know, don't, you know, remember that, um, my gosh, I, I sound like I'm uh, like a Hallmark card, but- <laughs> But remember that, you know, you get these sort of precious few minutes and, and it's like, oh yeah, right. I can work until 10 o'clock every night or I can actually stop and have dinner with my family. Yeah. Um, whatever. And I think, so, yeah. And people need to hear that, especially like, I would say it's, it's weird being like, cause I'm an elder millennial. I'm like in that weird Mm -hmm. middle phase of whatever that is where it's like I'm not gen x I'm not like super millennial because the internet came along when I was like 12 um so I'm like I'm that right split uh in the middle there right and like I definitely got the message of you can be anything you want but then I was watching the news as a kid and seeing both Hillary Clinton and Monica Lewinsky being criticized in every manner in every way and I was like um qua I was like, yeah. I was like, wait, so I can't be, um, oh, well, it's so interesting because I'm Gen X and, and so the internet came for me when I was, I guess, in my twenties, um, early twenties, I, I don't remember, but it's around in there somewhere. And, um, mm -hmm. and I was, I don't know. You make a really good point when you talk about Hillary Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, and you know, you know, having all those jobs. I mean, I I was in the music business straight out of college, and I was actually in it during college, and I just thought that that was how it was. You know, um, you know, I was told I could have it all and I could do everything, and then all I saw was my inability to have it all or do anything. Yeah, and then um, you're like, is something wrong with me? <laughs> like exactly. And I think that's really unfair, unfair for women. I think I've spent my entire adult life and career having, I'm sort of like that, what is it? That, was it in living color that's good about how many jobs do you have? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm sort of this, I spent my entire career thinking or thinking I have to do everything and I have to do everything well. And I know I'm not so, and since you're a therapist, uh, um, see, I told you I'd turn this into a therapy session. Um, we don't let, you know, I know I should let, um, was it perfect be the enemy of good? The enemy of, yeah, the enemy of done. Yeah, exactly. But it's hard not to do that. And then, you yeah. know, but, but what I would say if, if they're to, I mean, the piece of advice, I think that I wish I had really had is 
somebody strong and confident saying to me, it's okay to not do everything. You know, I feel like I feel like I got the message, it's okay to not do everything, but really do everything. Yeah. So it's a, that's sort of the sort of where I um, I land on that. I don't know. It's fascinating this podcast you're doing because I don't know a single woman, man, person, human who isn't doing. Actually, no. I'll I'll take that back. My husband, he's a writer, and he really only does one thing. He gets up and he writes, and then he lunch, and then he writes. And I've always been very jealous of him because. I have a thousand emails and I'm doing <laughs> things. And, you know, you know, uh, my therapist always said that society, whoever the caregiver is, even if that person is working, the caregiver still has to do everything. Bingo. Um, you know what I mean? And um, and um, that doesn't change. So anyway, my husband has a great life. He's writing a novel and he's now driving a kid home. <laughs> I was going to say like, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I have encountered several people who live that lifestyle. And usually it's people who have a you in their life. Like you, you need a you to manage oh, yeah. all the logistics because otherwise like you can't just be a writer. And I'm, I'm sure that your husband also might define himself like as a dad and like different things where it's like, you know, he might have other things in his self-definition, but it's like, unless you have someone else in some ways dealing with the logistics of the things that surround you. Like I think about, oh God, the name of the guy who wrote Walden. Is it Thoreau? Did Thoreau write Yes. Yes. Like everyone sees him as like, you know, transcendent self-reliant. His mom was like bringing him donuts. Right. Once a right. week. I'm like, I'm like, I'd probably be pretty chilling too if I was getting donuts once a week. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You know, no, you're, you are exactly right. And I'm not trying to, um, you know, I'm uh, probably compared to my parents, I have a very untraditional relationship and probably compared to um, my son someday, I will look like leave it to beaver or something. <laughs> um, and, you know, I am down with everything, but I do think there in every relationship, whatever kind of relationship it is. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're man, woman, they, them, you know, there's always somebody I think who ends up sort of carrying that weight, don't you? I do. I think that because I think that there is division of labor even within relationships, like whether it's romantic or platonic. Like people do take on different roles, and you can, you can kind of switch it up a little bit, but like not that much. Like occasionally it'll bounce back and forth when you know if there's an emergency or things like that. Sure. Um, but usually people kind of settle into their roles in a system mm-hmm. and that usually is the role that they're comfortable in. And so it's not even necessarily a bad thing if you're in like a caretaker role, because like in some ways, like I know, like I'm more comfortable in that way. Like if someone tries to like almost overly caretake towards me, I get really skittish and I'm like, why is this happening? Like what? <laughs> like- well, see, then you, you've hit on the crux of it, which is that I'm, I guess, like you, I'm in the caretaker role and I probably wouldn't, I'm too much of a control freak to not be. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> and I think I can do it better yeah. than, than whoever. It doesn't have to be my, um, you know, I do it better at work. I do it better at home. I do it better, you know, you know, I was the commissioner of my son's baseball league for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, I know lots about youth baseball. That's one of the other things, youth baseball. I got you covered. Yes. <laughs> um, who knew? <laughs> who knew? Who knew I could be the commissioner of the 11 and 12 U Wilshire Warriors? <laughs> um, amazing. It was kind of amazing because everybody called me commish. Um, <laughs> and I was, the, I, you know, and I was, there's very few of the, uh, you know, it was all a bunch of, you know, all a bunch of dudes. Yeah. A whole bunch of dudes, and but I will say this, and I now I hope none of my baseball dad friends are listening to this, but um, I was fascinated to find out kind of how dumb guys are. <laughs> I'd never dealt with that many at one time, and they're all kind of like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> I had to do everything. I'm just, it's like, how do these people get across the street? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'm lucky because my husband is super, I mean, I still kind of have to do everything, but he's not that bad. And oh my God. It, it's, it's, it was, a, it's an anthropological experience experiment. I will um, never forget. In fact, in fact, speaking of pod, I have a friend who wanted me to do a podcast called the commish. <laughs> Just like going undercover experiencing yeah. like, males in Los Angeles yeah I mean it is a running joke amongst my friends that occasionally would be like are men okay yeah. <laughs> like, what happened y'all okay there <laughs> like, or, or, or is my other friend who's she's kind she would be great for your podcast she's an ex-professional boxer oh my god and, and as she says and her trash <laughs> and and I, I I do think well I mean, that's often a whole other tangent but um to go back to the baseball thing for a second mm-hmm. um the one thing I have seen happen at work is, for example, I have this big um, giant whiteboard and it's got categories and it's got post-it notes and I move them, you know, is this project going, I'm just, I just work better kind of that way. I'm not as good. I don't like all that stuff when you have 25 million tabs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm here for the whiteboard life. That is my life. Well, Keep the whole re- reason I haven't sold <laughs> my whole record collection and CD collection is because I need to browse. Yes. You know, I have like a record store in my house. I just have to browse it. Um, but uh, but anyway, so I, I've turned this whole whiteboard that I have for the music department at KCRW into a baseball metaphor. So I've got the projects that are in the dugout. Oh my God. Projects that are in the bullpen. Then I've got first base, second base, third base, home plate the next game two games down like I have a whole like baseball I think I'm driving my department crazy oh my Um, god you went hard on that that's amazing (laughs) I I did it I've done a deep dive into um into baseball at at KCRW so um that's one of my um that's I don't know that's how youth baseball crept into my work life that's I was like I like that you just took that metaphor and you're like no no we're going all the way with this we are not (laughs) no no here's what's scary here's great what's scary about it is that I know that much about baseball that's amazing that you know just you know anyway it's just it's just 
it, it, that's been um, an interesting thing on top of everything else. And again, my husband's like, why are you doing this and have 12 jobs? <laughs> no. Well, you're also demonstrating, it's interesting that you, you know, you said that you're also raising your kiddo, you're raising a son. And I do, I'm so curious. Cause like, I do hang out with my friends, kids. I've tutored a lot of kids in LA over the years. Like, I'm so curious what we're going to impart specifically to our children who are not being raised female currently. Um, because what you're saying is so indicative of a lot of like, um, the not men that I talk to where it's like, we're expected to do everything. And then also when we look around, sometimes we end up doing everything because the people who were raised male around us are just kind of like, Oh no, Oh God, this is going to go horribly awry if I let you do it. Um, and so I'm like, so right. It's so weird. I'm like, I'm like, how do, do, did they miss out on something like that we got? Like, can we teach, can we teach our sons this stuff that we got? <laughs> like, how I <laughs> I, I completely agree. And, and, and it's something that I grew up actually in a, you know, I have a sister and I grew up with, you know, it was, there were more um, female folks around than um, male folks around. Mm -hmm. um, but, and so I always, you know, you remember all those horrible things your parents did, even though you love them, but you're like, I'll never do that again. Yes. But especially in this world of me too, and having a son who's, you know, basically going through puberty yeah. and trying to teach him to respect, you know, women and, or anybody, it's not being women. And, and, and by the way, it's just a sidebar, Pam. Um, one of the things that, you know, one of the things that I am striving to be better at mm -hmm. is not necessarily, you know, being, not necessarily having to have everything be a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. Obviously, mm -hmm. different people identify different ways, mm -hmm. but it's the way we've grown up. The way I grew up was like, there were, you know, people were, can be gay or straight or whatever, but, but it was always just men and women. Yeah. And there was a gender binary. Totally. And, and now it's not. And my son is really on top of that. And he's like, mom, that person doesn't identify as a woman. Yeah. In my class, you know, and he's so much more together on that than I am. It's not because I don't, um, um, not because I disagree. It's just because, you know, these we're so socialized. I mean, that sort yeah. of goes back to what my therapist told me is that as a woman, I observe what my mother did and we're yeah. socialized to do these certain things that maybe you don't need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. that's, and I love what you said that it's like, I've noticed that the younger, I was like the younger generation, yes. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, but I've noticed that they're way more fluid in their definition of gender and of sexuality. And like, I know that at least in my generation, like several of my friends did transition even when we were younger. Yeah. And my reaction to that was like, cool. Like I was like, okay, like I, it kind of didn't phase me, but it also wasn't something I thought critically about. Like I didn't consider how that then affected me. I was more like, oh, that's something that my peer is doing and I accept that. But then it was only when I was older that it made me reflect upon like, well, what lessons did I learn about gender? Just because I haven't felt necessarily like, dysphoric in my own gender expression uh -huh. and like what did I learn about my own gender and that's been very interesting especially in talking to people who are much younger about like the lessons they got or didn't get about gender um because yeah, yeah like, 
No, no, excuse me. I interrupted you. Oh, <laughs> no, it's just been, it's been very interesting. Um, I feel it's very, been, yeah, grateful. It's been, it's, yeah, I feel grateful too, because I, I also have a few friends who've transitioned and, and, and one of the things I love about, well, well this, here's something great that used to happen when, when he was little, um, we have, you know, we have friends who are like two moms, two dads, you know, yeah. whatever. and then some people we knew had nannies. So they're, they're, um, you know, a couple of dads, we know they had a nanny and he'd say, oh, well, that, that family has one mommy and two daddies. <laughs> and then somebody would say that family has two mommies and one daddy. And, and he'd be talking about their babysitters. <laughs> and, you know, that family that. only has two mommies. Well, that family only has two daddies. That family has a mommy. Like, it was fascinating because his whole concept when he was, you know, like three or four years old was that it was like every family was different and none of it was weird. Yeah. Uh, I love and, that yeah, I love that your son's already like down for the polycule. That's great. Yeah, I, I, I was like, because I've also, I, when he was saying that, I was like, you know, maybe we should add somebody here. Yeah. I would love to have a wife. Um, right. It, it, it just, but it, I think it, it's, so anyway, I was talking about, I guess I, I became slightly self-conscious because I was talking about men and women and um, I'm trying to be more just conscious of my expression. Do the people that you talk to on this podcast, um, are they from all over? Yeah, it's been, it's so funny because I, I definitely do really enjoy interviewing people who are in LA. Like I was born and raised here and so I'm always delighted. Um, but I also adore talking to people who are not from LA because having been born and raised here, I forget that like this is a rarefied and strange place. <laughs> yes. So talking to people not from Los Angeles, very good experience to remember that, to get outside of my little bubble here. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but, and that's sort of why I like taking um, my son to Virginia. Um, you know, it's funny when my husband is a fourth generation Angelino, oh and goodness. he had never, until he married me, or we started dating, he had never been to the South. And I Whoa. grew up in the South. Whoa. And literally, you know, he's a Jew from North Hollywood. And he had never been to the South. And he, it was almost as if he had gone to a, a foreign country or a new <gasps> planet or something. That's how um, I felt. <laughs> it, was, it was fascinating. I mean, you, you're born and raised here in Tarzana. I mean, come on. Oh my God. An ex of mine was from Louisiana, like really rural Louisiana, like outside of Shreveport. And like, wow. yeah. And so, and he had lived in Dallas. So we like, we went to visit his friend in Dallas and then we drove to his family's, I don't, I think it was actually their second residence that was there. Uh -huh. Not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, but I, that, when you said foreign country, that is, that was exactly my experience. Like I have never felt, I didn't feel uncomfortable. Like I didn't feel like I was in danger necessarily, sure. but I did feel like, I mean, I hate to reference Woody Allen because, uh, but that, that scene in Annie Hall where like he's progressively becoming more and more Jewish over the course of the dinner, right. Right. that's exactly how I felt. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I was raised reform. I'm not even religious. I'm like culturally Jewish. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, I just, I, Completely. I never experienced that before. That is so funny. Yeah. And well, he had the, he, you know, he's similar, similar to you and, um, which is also for no reason that both of my husbands have been Jewish. 
So I'm not sure. I mean, we're pretty cool. <laughs> you're, you're awesome, by the way. I've married two of you. And, um, and then, of course, the great irony is that I know way more Hebrew than either of them. Because of I actually pay attention at the Seder. I actually, you know, I go to the bar mitzvah and listen and um, you know, I can bless the shit out of some wine, some bread. I, I got you covered. That's it's a running joke in, in like the Jewish community and definitely in my family that it's like if you ever want to know something, ask someone who converted because they actually had to pay attention. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Uh, a friend of mine who's actually coincidentally a therapist, um, her she's Jewish and her son married um, a non-Jew and the the daughter-in-law converted mm -hmm. and now. Um, she knows way more about everything than anybody else in their entire family. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. totally. That is, that is so funny. Cause yeah, like even it's so interesting that we were talking even about like being in LA and like being from the Valley, like because of the circumstances of the pandemic, I had been going to my parents' backyard over the summer because like they made me a kid's table for one. It was very cute. Love, love. Um, so like, so that way I could go there and not go in the house and like eat separately and all that stuff. But like, we didn't have the holidays. Like we didn't have Hanukkah together because my mom was like, Honestly, she's like, it wouldn't be fun to like make latkes inside, then like take them to a separate table for you outside. Like she's like, right. that's not like the fun part of the holiday. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's not the point. Yeah. So we decided we're going to do like a, a flexible Hanukkah. Yes. Like Hanukkah whenever. We're just going to like pick a day where it's safe and be like, today's the latke day. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're, that's, that's right on. One of the things I did notice about the holidays this year, though, to, to the whole thing about doing a million things is that KCRW closes down over the holidays. Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're off. And I actually took a week off from doing Morning Becomes Eclectic in between Christmas and New Year's. And this was the first year we weren't like, okay, we've got to go to your sister's house. Okay, but we'll be there. But by five o'clock, we have to go to my friend's house because we're gonna have dinner there. And, you know, like, but these people are coming over. There was none of that because nobody could go anywhere, have people over. And it was actually kind of relaxing. Yeah, it was nice. Like, I mean, aside from the no lot, because part like yeah I got you just like just like being able to chill and also not worry about like like I always worry about like other drivers on the road have they been drinking have they been exactly. at their parties like you know like one of my cousins has um like I was like there's one cousin that's married to a not Jewish person um and they have a Christmas party every year and you know it's like I always forget like is it Christmas day or is it Christmas Eve I mix those up I'd right. I would have gotten this by now um right. like but there was no stress. There was no, I didn't have to remember which was what. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. It was sort of, you know, for we, for us multitaskers, um, it was, um, it was definitely felt strange, but it was probably in retrospect, maybe I'll look back on this Christmas and think, you know, that actually wasn't so terrible. It's okay to, it's okay to kind of peace out for five minutes. Um, yeah. And like, I like that you take a break at KCRW, even though like, I love that you're broadcasting still from your house because for some people, like, at least, I mean, I grew up listening to KCRW and it's like, it's a mainstay. And I can't imagine going through an experience like this and in a way, like not having some of our familiar media. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I I'll say this. 
KCRW has been one of the things that's kept me sane. And again, I'm lucky I have a job and, you know, you know, knock on wood, my family's healthy and all that, but it's, it's sort of the rhythm of the day, you know, my body clock, especially doing morning becomes eclectic was really attuned to, you know, I'm up by 615, I'm on it. And then at by 730, I have this done by 830, I have that done. And then we go into the show and then after, you know, it's sort of like, it kind of has marked time for me and made, um, made me know what day it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, yeah, it's been kind of incredible. And, and in fact, they had to force me to take the week off between Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> I said, why would I do that? Yep. My producer made me take off the podcast for the same reason. I was just like, but why would I take the holiday off? Like Wednesdays are when we release the podcast and that's how I know it's Wednesday. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I, I'm totally, I'm totally with you on that. It's really, it's really, um, it's not, you know, I, I don't know. I, are you? You know, your podcast is about creative people who have different passions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like everybody. You could inter- interview every single person I know. I would love to do that. <laughs> I will do that <laughs> because, um, because the, it's. I, I don't know how to live my life not doing that, but you know, but to turn back to my husband for a moment, who's, you know, a writer and, and is sort of very Zen about Mm -hmm. everything. And he doesn't run around like a crazy person like I do. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm going with that. (laughs) I I just, guess what? I haven't slowed down enough to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting that you say that, that you're like, you know, that I could interview everyone, you know, because like, when I think about people who do multiple things, I get really excited. But I also know that if I tried to say like, be in a close, say domestic partnership with someone who did as many things as I did, oh, it would yeah. probably be a disaster. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that would work very well. <laughs> like, I, I, no, I, I, I hear you hundred <laughs> percent. It probably wouldn't work very well. And there were times I will say, now, this is where my sort of obsession, I don't know if it's workaholic or just I can't stop moving. But um, over the summer, because of COVID, my husband and son went to Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't because I was doing Morning Becomes Eclectic. And I had to be here for that. And um, so I kind of spent most of the summer alone, you know, just mm-hmm. sort of, and I would just eat weird food and stay up late. And I wouldn't stop working. And I would, listen, you know, that was a little bit of a mess because then I just, I just never stopped and I, but I sort of loved it. So I, again, I'm not sure what point I'm making, except that maybe it's a good for my health that I do have to live with somebody. Yeah. Like being around someone who is going at a different pace. I I feel you on that. That happened to me over the summer when I was kind of podless, like I was potted with a few friends Uh um, earlier in this experience, but I had a similar experience in that middle bit where I was just kind of weird and feral during the summer. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's a great way of putting it. I was completely um, weird and feral over the summer. (laughs) And it was kind of amazing. It was kind of great. Not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Because again, in my, because again, in my adult life, I haven't um, really been able to go back and be weird and feral. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. It's kind of fun. Um, yeah, I have to say, Pam, I don't know remotely if I'm telling you anything that's remotely interesting. It is fantastic. It is honestly like I, I love conversations that just go anywhere and everywhere because formal interviews, I'm like, anyone can do a formal interview. Right. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny. It just, it's a really fun conversation. And I look forward to actually meeting you in person when this is over and, 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 you know, talking about stuff more. Last night, I um, moderated or hosted or whatever. We did an event at KCRW called this album saved my breakup. It was sort of an anti-Valentine's Day thing. And at one point, the Zoom screwed up. We had like 250 people, KCRW members, and I had a panel of DJs on. Oh my God. And we had about 250 people on and all of a sudden something happened with Zoom. And the next thing you know, I'm the only DJ left (gasps) and there are only about 60 people left. And I can't unmute anybody so anybody else can talk. And I just said, okay, I guess I'm doing a monologue now, everybody. Um, and after a while, after a few minutes, five minutes or something, we were some of the DJs were able to get back on. Um, but we couldn't, I just, anyway. So oh my God. I don't want to be the Zoom monologue that you didn't want to listen to. Oh my God, yeah. you're the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a delightful time with you. And I'm like, yeah, under normal circumstance, I'm like, oh my God, we could go for a walk. We could have yes. a coffee. Yeah. This would be so awesome. Well, after the vaccine kicks in in like a few weeks, I'm like, I can leave my house. Oh, that's right. Because with- maybe I just have some weird complex. I don't actually think I'm going to get sick. Maybe that's what everybody thinks. But I'm more worried that, I, I feel like you, I'm more worried that what if I do something accidentally and somebody, Yeah. You know, my cousin who's on the ventilator, her husband picked it up at work and he got sick. They both got sick oh. and she was, she's the one who's in the hospital, obviously, and he got better, but they gave it because the two sons worked for the dad. So the two oh, sons no. got it. They gave it to their wives and families. And my entire family in that part of Virginia, on my mom's side, they—they're all at various stages of, of having it, oh. or getting, having it, getting over it, or in this one extreme case, it, it's really bad. And and it's 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 not even about responsibility. It's just that sort of you don't know how it's also going to affect people. I mean, although black people and brown people. Mm-hmm. get screwed. Um, I mean, you're in healthcare, so you. Know oh yeah. It's been, it's been terrible. And like, I'm so sorry hearing that about your family because that is, that is often what happens. And it's like you said, where it's like, you simply, it's a roll of the dice, like how it affects you. Mm-hmm. And then like, if you aren't aware that either you're asymptomatic or that you've been exposed, then you unwittingly expose other people to it. Right. And right. like, that's that to me is like that's what I would feel terrible about and I'm so sorry that that happened within your family I'm like oh I know I mean it thank you um and you know we'll you know let's we'll you know keep our yeah thoughts um but because you were saying like yeah community wise because of like the systematic inequality especially I mean in LA like it's so socioeconomically divided even like and that obviously then falls along racial lines as well in Los Angeles based mm-hmm. accessibility to healthcare, based on who is working as essential workers yeah. you know, based on housing situation of like can you actually stay isolated where there are people that like don't have the option of actually quarantining safely 
And Absolutely. so like you see this huge effect on on those communities. And it's like, it's it's more of like a, as weird as this sounds, like since I have the privilege to make individual choices, I try and make individual choices that will best respect people who don't have the option to make those choices. That's exactly, I said, uh, that's exactly what I, I talked to friends about is my responsibility is to not get sick so I don't tax the system. Yeah. Um, so that those who don't have the option and, and the, the, you know, what I, the, my privileges um, can ha use the system if they need it. And I just, that's what makes me so upset when I see people um, just flouting the the science on it. Yeah, it's like you yeah. know, if you get sick, you may take a bed from somebody who didn't have a choice; they had yeah. to go. You know, yeah. So, I don't know. I it's it's a real it's it's really showing uh, sh it's really highlighting the inequities in our system, and and I I, I you know. It is, I mean, it just is, it's, it puts it even in starker contrast, yeah. you know? Yes, like it's definitely, and especially the longer this has gone on, I'm really, like it was interesting what you said about like coming out of this experience, like in some ways there will be good things. And I hope that that is something that changes because now like, like even the things we've seen, like you can do so much of this from your home. Like we've seen that that system of like being in a studio you may or may not need that all the time. We've also seen the systems that we have for like housing. Those are flawed. The systems yeah. we have for healthcare, that one's flawed. It's like, this has definitely shown a light on like, what, <laughs> what systems do we have and are they working for us? <laughs> right. And maybe that will be a positive someday that comes out of this is when we read back in history books and we say, they learned from this horrible thing that happened to make sure that those inequities get solved. And, you know, I wish I could solve them. Um, I can't. So, you know, I, you know, want to support and not get sick and, you, yeah. know, not, you know, but, but I, it'll, it would be interesting. It'll be interesting someday to see um, what we take away from this. I've talked a lot about it because also it has impacted our identity so much and it has impacted exactly what we're talking about. Like a lot of the systems I've talked to so many artists, particularly like during this time about what we can do even about these systems. Like I've talked to a lot of people in different communities about like, what can we do? And it ranges from like, hey, like don't put people at risk to like, hey, here's how to talk to people in your community or like, hey, I'm working with this organization. Um, so I think it is important to talk about like, and also it would be weird if you didn't talk about COVID, like that's a privilege in and of itself. Like who's sitting around that can't, you know, that can't right. be bothered to talk about this. Right. No, you, you're exactly right. And it's, you know, on the lighter side, we used to all talk about the traffic and now <laughs> we all talk about COVID. Oh, I'm sorry. I was 10 minutes late the 405. And now it's, you know, COVID talk. Oh, how you're wearing a mask. Right, uh, but um, that's so funny. Oh my I, god, I haven't okay. had to drive on the four hundred five, and I don't remember how long. And I, I just smiled so hard. I was like, oh my god, I, I haven't even been on the four hundred five. No, it's fabulous to not go on the four hundred five. Um, oh. but but I will also say that you know I, you know, this is the conundrum of oh I'm so busy and I have all these jobs and aren't I fancy and um. 
I donate money to food banks and to organizations, you know, whether it's about bail or, Mm -hmm. you know, food insecurity or whatever, but I'm not out there doing it. You know what I mean? I guess we all help in the way that we can help. And I, you know, I'm because of what I'm doing, I don't have extra time to do that right now. And so the only thing I can think of to do is to, you know, contribute when I can and where I can and where the needs are. Um, But I do feel inadequate that I'm not and maybe that's what that goes back to don't let perfect be the enemy of good, right? Yeah. Good that my choice or my, what I can do right now is to donate. Um, I can't be an activist for food insecurity right now because I, I can't. Yeah. Um, and maybe we all have different roles in that. And maybe, or maybe I'm just trying to justify. Yeah. Well, I like, I like that you said we all have different roles. A friend of mine was joking that like, and I mean, it's, it's a joke, but it's also kind of accurate because I'm in a similar boat to you where it's like, I was so excited this year to one, obviously like I like being a therapist. This uh-huh. kind of uh, a lot. Um, there was no module in grad school of this is how you deal with helping people through a global pandemic during potentially uh, your country collapsing. By the way, the planet might die. Have fun. Um, and so like that, that was a whole thing. Um, but my business did well, which meant I had so much money to give people. So I donated to all of the bail funds, all of the food insecurity stuff, all of that, because I didn't have, I didn't, like you said, I was busy counseling clients. I was like, I, I can't be out there and here and I'm accountable to my clients. If I get sick, that would be really bad. Um, and so it's like, okay, what do I do? And so I've just been donating like a ton of money. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I've been doing too. And also you have a responsibility to your clients who may be suffering mental, mental health issues because of COVID. Yes. And that's another way that you can support, you know, the other thing we do at KCRW when COVID started and, and I'm for the first time going to be going into the station tomorrow, this weekend oh to do God. the shows. And because um, I've moved to the weekend now, but we have, um, you know, sort of per CDC guidelines at the beginning, we established a skeleton crew blue team and a skeleton crew red team. And mm-hmm. out of say 120 people who work at KCRW, there's probably only about 30 who are on these teams and they're- wow some producers, reporters, you know, some people have to be at the radio station. But what we do is we trade off in two week shifts um, because that's the quarantine time. So so what we do is, and and this is another reason I haven't gone out, um, you know, whether um, to participate in, in various things is because it's our responsibility when we are in our two weeks off, so to speak, that we don't that we quarantine so that when yeah. we go back with our crew, you know, cause it's two weeks on two weeks off. And so everybody who's going into the station also has to abide by that to keep our colleagues safe. So, yes. you know, so then, you know, so I, I guess, I guess, you know, we, we all, we, all, you know, so my contribution is that these next two weeks that I'm there, I'm not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Um, Uh, that goes back to almost the micro community thing you were talking about is that it's like you are then responsible for keeping your crew safe like everyone that's in kind of like your team you're all responsible for each other so you have to keep one another safe absolutely um and we've had you know you know we even talked about 
For example, we talked about doing an event where we did a drive-in thing with a band on a stage, but everybody goes like to a drive-in movie or mm -hmm. you know something like that because we want to have these events. And I just don't think with good conscience, suppose somebody got sick because they came to our event. Now, would we know if they did because they came to our event? I just don't. We've been, I have a lot of respect for the leadership at KCRW because they have been crazy town COVID strict. Yeah. And so we're actually being way stricter than a lot of other um, organizations are. And I so respect that because, you know, suppose we did, we said, oh, well, you know, that band, they're only going to be here for a week. And maybe they could just go into our performance studio and just one person on a guitar, right? Uh, but no. No, you know, so um, I, I do have a lot of respect for our leadership because they're, we are super strict. We have to fill out, you sign in, you sign out. We fill out contract, contact tracing forms every single time we go into the station. And there are many people who are just straight up not allowed to go in at all. Um, wow. So. I mean, that's what, that's what you should be doing. Like, I'm so glad you told me that because I'm like, that's that's yeah. the way to do it. Like, especially with the contact tracing and things like that. So that way, you know, I have noticed, and I don't know if this is just like me weird philosophizing, but it's like, there's kind of almost a different orientation of like, there's like individualism and then like communalism, like in the no. kind of a spectrum. And it's like, you can't be a straight up individualist during this. Like right. it doesn't work. <laughs> like, no, you know what you're, you are exactly right. So we have this system at KCRW with the two weeks on and two weeks off. So suppose somebody tests positive on the blue team. Mm -hmm. Well, we can immediately evacuate the blue team and bring in the red team, right? Yes. We have another team and then blue team can go off and quarantine. Yes. And so that's sort of the whole rationale behind it because, you know, God forbid, you know, somebody at our organization gets sick, we can immediately, because we're a news organization and we have to keep- you know, I have a piece of paper in my wallets that says I'm allowed to, you know, go out and be there, you know, when things yeah. are strict. Um, yeah. But, but anyway, I, I guess all of that to say that I, I have a lot of respect for the way KCRW has handled this. I guess in a way, like it kind of, in my mind, just linked back to like, how do the people who are in our roles, like who create media, Mm -hmm. who create comfort for people like things like that it's like going into like the end of the first year of this it's like people need that more than ever <laughs> like, right. you're so right about that oh my gosh you're so right it's been amazing talking to you I really appreciate you like just for everything just everything you do <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me I was so perplexed usually I'm the one interviewing other people um but it's been really fun talking to you today Pam thank you so much for inviting me Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. 